0: IB Talk, the global insurance industry podcast presented by Insurance Business.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest IB Talk, the insurance industry's global podcast brought to you by Insurance Business. And this is a very special edition for several reasons, as I have a a big announcement on the future of these podcasts coming up at the end of this episode. Uh, But that announcement is not the only reason why this edition is special, because even though we started this podcast close to two years ago, we've never had a repeat guest until now. Uh, So why are we breaking with that tradition? Well, aside from the fact that this man is one of my favourite guests so far, he's also at the heart of what for many in the insurance industry was a Big surprise just a few months ago when he announced he would be leaving his current role and retiring from the industry in early 2022. Uh, so here we are now in 2022. And with that retirement looming, I'm delighted to welcome the former CEO of Marsh Commercial, Anthony Grupo. Um, Anthony, welcome back to Ivy Talk.
0: Paul, thank you so much for having me back on the podcast. I just uh, so enjoy your, your work and always find our conversations just incredibly stimulating thank you anthony i mean let's start from the top we've got to go
1: in with with your your big decision um tell us a little bit about it what's prompted you to to
0: to walk away from an industry that you clearly hold a lot of passion for no thank you it's just been a a tremendous you know career and and being part of of a wonderful industry but you know i think paul if you put it even in a Terms of seasons, right? I've I've played for forty five seasons, and it's it's probably time to to put the cleats up, you know. And, and I think that reason really generated from I, I was so blessed uh, in the United Kingdom and Marsh Commercial to have such a tremendous executive council and David Bruce, uh, who served as my COO and now uh, is is going to be my successor as CEO. When, when you're blessed with having great people around you and the success of how Mars Commercial has grown. You, you know when it's the right time because it's then the right time for them.
1: Right. And can, I mean, can you give us a little bit of a window, though, into, into the process? Because you know sure. I mean, it's not every day that a, a CEO leaves a company. So, you know, I, I assume from the sort of the, the press standpoint, we don't find out, obviously, on the day you decide. Um, so give us a little bit of a, a walkthrough, if you want, of, of how you went about making that decision, how that sets wheels
0: in motion. I mean, what does the, the process look like? Sure. You know, whenever you do a succession and perpetuation planning, that process starts from the day you you. you take your position not somewhere in the course of it because as as you know as servant leaders and and the roles that we serve it's always important to see the future and when that time is going to come so you're always looking at the town around you and always making that assessment that's also a discussion for an entire family because all the dynamics change when you start to think that way you know you and i have met a lot of people who who say, well, they, they almost can't leave because often their identity is wrapped around it. Instead of just doing what they do, they become what they do. And, and that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a good situation to be in. So I think that, that, that transition, you have a discussion with the board and all the leadership and they knew well in advance. I mean, we were talking about this probably, I I made them aware of, Of that in a year in advance of what I thought was the right transition, and when you do that, it's incredibly healthy. It's energetic. It's dynamic because it's not about it's not about me. It's about everyone I serve, and it just it just makes it such a a healthy transition.
1: And I I appreciate that you're obviously you know you're putting focus on, on others other than yourself but if i can just zoom in on, on on you a little bit i mean i know you said at the top there you know you felt like 45 seasons as, as you put it <laughs> yeah. um i mean was it a case that you felt like you know okay i've i've, I've done everything that i i wanted to do in this industry and and, and now it's just the, the right time for me to sort of take a step back what was
0: what was your personal thought process yeah no sure i'll certainly share that with you and the listeners because i think it's something we all we all contemplate the the issue really became that The career, the industry is always exciting and dynamic. I've never felt even to this point that, oh, it's a burnout or you're tired of it or you're bored with it. But there is a place where you realize that there are other things that you can do and utilize these skills. So, for example, you know, as you know, I've written, you know, seven books and all of the proceeds, all of my royalties from all of my books go to charity and in particularly autism and what what i realize is that there are so many organizations that can benefit from our our talents and 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 opportunities that you step into another realm paul you step into a realm where you could do work with charity you know whether it's all all different forms of that but also speak engagements and media work and and coaching uh for those that i i coach several leaders around the world um on, on their, their personal situations or professional situations. And, and you realize that it's time for that next move. And, and it just makes it very comfortable. When you think about the, about family too, you know, when you're, when you are in, in high, high positions of, of necessary energy and you're responsible for thousands of people, there, there also is that time as a, a husband, a father, a grandfather, that you also want to take those remaining seasons of life and be able to share more with them.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people that, that can relate to, to what you're saying. And and you, you mentioned earlier as well, your, your successor will be David Bruce, um, who was the, the chief operating officer, um, is a well-established name in his own right in, in the UK market. Um, so, I mean, how much of a role, I, th- I think you t- touched on it a little bit, but how much of a role did you play in sort of naming him as your successor?
0: Yeah, a, a large part, because it's always important that that your successor come from your culture and your council and, and, and the energy that's been created, you know, everyone knows the story about Marsh commercial and, and the, um, the incredible, uh, journey, right? Of, of a, of that environment from Jelf to Marsh commercial and, and the growth that is developed from that. So you want someone that can, that can maintain and, and enhance and grow. Now with David, he was with me from the beginning. So he knew the detail. And he knew all of the behind the scenes and, and was a key decision maker alongside of me. So it, it just makes it it just makes it so easy. And in fact, it, it just was so smooth for everyone. Uh, it just gives you such a good feeling when you transition to see that, you know, everything's in good hands. Uh, because, you know, you know, Paul, I, I would say to everyone that the key to leadership and what I've always just found, and it took me too long in my career to really understand it. Is that that real servant leadership passion that not put yourself on the agenda. Don't be so impressed with yourself. You don't have as much time as you thought you do. And you're probably ready now more than you think. You know, I I just there's so many people that chase titles in their career. Oh, when am I going to be vice president? When am I going to be? I never chased a title. I, I chased a tougher challenge and then the titles chase you. And when you do that, it's not about transition retirement. It's a reinvention. And when you reinvent, it's just a continuation of what you started. So it's it's you know it doesn't feel like this big event to me.
1: Yeah, and I, I you know I'm, I'm sure um, a lot of people are going to be really inspired by your words. And I want to tap into a little bit more of your 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 leadership expecti- expertise um, a little bit later on as well. But just. I, I, again on on the point about David because I'm assuming you know that marsh commercial you probably had a, a lot of great um, people sort of you know reporting to you and and who potentially you maybe even considered um, as, as candidates for this role. What sort of attributes in your mind made David stand out that that made you think to yourself yeah he is the right person to to lead this business now
0: yeah, he truly cares about people constituents uh, he's a, as you know, he, as you said, he has a a great pedigree of his own, but he is someone who not only understands the business, there there are thousands of people who understand a business, but he understands people. He cares about them and the clients and the communities. And when that was the key attribute, the other was that he is a decisive individual. Uh, he will not analyze into paralysis and, and not afraid to break ties and handle tough questions. And that's that's what you want, right? You want someone because in, in the role of a CEO, right? You you can you coach yourself and others? Are you entrepreneurial thinking? Can you act like an owner? Those are the initials of a CEO. That's what you want. And because uh you're gonna make a lot of decisions and every decision you make, you're gonna have those that agree with it and those that don't. And you gotta and you gotta be okay with it.
1: Yeah, great. And again, I, I know that you don't necessarily like the, the spotlight to be on you, but I'm going to shine it that way just for a little moment. And, okay. and tell us when you're looking back at your career, um, yeah. it's a big one, but what do you consider as the highlight?
0: You know, I, I, as I reflect on that question, I, I think the highlight was that I was, although I came from humble beginnings, I was blessed with a, um, an attitude that every day I started at zero. That I, I'd wake up each morning thinking that everything I had would be taken from me that day. And maybe it's that bit of, a, of an edge uh, that creates that, that toughness. And I guess what I'm most thankful for is that through all the all the decades, I feel that I was able to maintain that type of energy and be not be afraid to go where no one wanted to go and do what no one wanted to do. So it's not around a particular job or company or title. I think it's inherently intrinsic and visceral in someone when no matter what the challenge was, I just wanted to, to deliver. I wanted people to be better for having met me. And, and so I wanted to be a better man myself.
1: And just tell us how, if if you can, if you can possibly explain it, how you kind of have that mindset every morning, because you know people do slip into that habit of thinking, you know, yes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the top of the company, my career's made, look at me now. Uh, how do you uh, motivate yourself to sort of, you know, start thinking every single day, you know, I, I've got nothing.
0: Yeah, I think when I wake up in the morning and I I realize, you know, how how blessed I was to, to come from loving parents and and a, a family with a with a work ethic that was, you know, blue collar working class um family and of course where I started my career was my my working career was in in construction. I th- I think that we construct ourselves on the scaffold of humanity. And what that energy comes from the fact that When I make a decision, when I fail or when I fail to bring everything I have each day, others who I can't see have suffered that day because I didn't deliver. If something sits on my desk or a decision or I procrastinate, that's harmful to someone. It's not a matter of just being complacency to me is just this like, you know, you know, Paul, the people that, you know, they burn out and they're exhausted and they they it's because often they can't, if they can maintain a certain speed, that doesn't happen. It's when we work in spurts that creates those spikes and then creates a burnout trigger. So I, I just, I just realized that not just family, but others count on you to bring it every day. So you've got to get at it. You can't, you can't think about yourself and lick your wounds and, and take, an enormous amount of time to heal yourself. You gotta get back in the game.
1: Yeah. No, I like it. And and if I if I can, I mean, you know, i I sort of gave you my, my opener as, as your career highlight, but also when you're you're looking back, what do you pinpoint as maybe either the biggest challenge you face in your career or or maybe even a yeah. you know a big regret if you have one as well?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. the biggest challenge is is always when you have to leave what you know. And sometimes what's, what's comfortable and maybe I'll say automatic and start over. So as an expat, leaving America and coming to the UK, when you do that and you change countries, everything is unfamiliar. You, there is, all your routine is gone. Uh, there, you're where you shop for food, where you go, where you find healthcare, everything is different. So you have to. You have to adjust to this great change in your life at the same time you're trying to change and improve and grow a company so you have to literally become a turbine of 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 change right for yourself as well and you can't you can't lay back on that paul right so that's the big that was the thing that i i feel i was able to do quickly i quickly got out around the country met the people you know, immersed myself in communities throughout the United Kingdom, and and as far as a regret, yeah, I uh, I guess I regret the casualties. You know, Paul, um, as you as you progress in your life uh, and career, there are those you can't take with you uh, that for whatever reason they. Couldn't sustain the journey or they, they, they couldn't come along the whole ride. And also, I guess the casualties of your decisions of when you have to make hard decisions. I, I still wake up every morning thinking about maybe a branch that you had to close or, or a situation that, you know, really create turmoil for a family. Uh, even though you had to make those decisions, you don't, you don't. Know, I never became calloused or unfeeling about it. So I think it's still the casualties of those decisions that I probably most regret. I understand it, but I do regret it. Yeah, I think this probably that's
1: one of the facets that, that makes you a great leader: the fact that you're able to sort of reflect back on that and and, and you know feel empathy for the people who were in that situation, and also to to relate to what you said earlier. I think you know there's a lot of people who would would agree with that sentiment that it's when you. You leave your comfort zone sometimes that you really start living life, you know, when you take that risk to take that, to uh, take that challenge head on. Um, and, and, and if we can just sort of zoom in with your, your own podcast in mind, I know you, you, you yeah. have a podcast called the, the roots of leadership. Um, and you know, you've been at the top of companies. So what do you think, if you, if you can share with us,
0: what do you think is the, the greatest attribute that a, a successful leader has? There's an intense humility, Paul. Of, of all the ones that I, you know, and, and the podcast will continue, I i have interviewed some of the greats of around the world who came from nothing. Uh, and the one factor that they all possess is this intense humility. The other thing is that they're just they're just not impressed with themselves. Uh, they don't they don't think they ever arrive anywhere. And they're constantly in a state of coaching themselves and taking on opportunities and challenge. In fact, I think the other attribute they have is that they never see that they failed at anything. And, and what I mean by that is they certainly recognize a failure, but they see failure as feedback. They don't, they never, I won't say never, but of course we all, we all take a, take a shot, right? But they, they're never um, stopped by by a, a lack of success on something, they just take the feedback from it and they self improve. I think that's that's the that's the ilk of, of the in the acumen of, of those individuals. Yeah, and it's really interesting that you, you talk about
1: humility there because I, I think probably a lot of people would would look at leaders and, and be really impressed by the their self confidence. So I mean, how important is is, is your in your mind is self confidence? And do you think a, an introvert can make a good leader?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. It's not about introvert or extrovert. It, it it truly is bringing the capabilities and the potential that you have, where you can take all of your potential and, and attach it to your performance in a passionate way. Absolutely. You know, look, I, my recent book was such a diversion from my other six. Right? It's called the Pen and the Lens, and I uh, partnered with the British adventurer Gemma McCarthy and uh, uh, a photographer. She she did all the photography work in my book, but it's a book of poetry. Right? It's a book of my poetry. I was more nervous to release a book of my poetry than I was probably to ever stand in front of any press room or board of directors. Because it's like, what do you mean, Anthony Grupo's a poet? why What's he what's going on? I me, mean, but it is but it, you know, a publicist and, and and publishers, you know, really wanted me to to do it. Now, I will tell you that when that you hit when they say, Okay, the book's live now, it's out on Amazon, you're like, oh God, here we go. But the reviews are, have been fantastic, and people love them. and And I'm raising money, you know, ambitious for all about autism in the UK. I was able to raise, you know, um, uh, let me think, fifteen hundred pounds in in uh, royalties for them in in a month. So, but when you make that change, right, from you know an American CEO, uh, international executive, author, and then you now you're a poet. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty nervous. It it was a new world. And I thought, what's going to happen? But it's, you're going to be okay. Like, and I would say to people that if there's something you really want to try, go ahead, go ahead, you're going to be okay. And you might be surprised by the results.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and of course, I'm. You know, you've been inspiring people throughout your career. But is there anybody that you would, you know, when you look back, that you would pinpoint that that you learned from? And and yeah. if you don't, if you don't mind, can you share with us, you know, what advice they gave you and, and what you picked up from them? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, listen, I. I what always comes to mind is a gentleman by the name of Dave Esslick. Dave is the uh, is the uh, CEO and and uh, uh, gifted leader for Marsh McLennan Agency. Dave and I have been. Friends and colleagues for, oh God, neon, probably 18 years. I was, uh, his executive, uh, intern specials when he, when we were both at USI. And then, uh, I came over with Dave to MMA, uh, after, after USI. And, and I think his, his style of leadership, he's, he's just trust people to do what they do. He's, uh, incredibly thoughtful in his decisions. I learned a great deal from. And also, I think what, what he said to me one time when I was in California working on a very challenging situation, and he said to me one day, he said, just do what you do. We, we had, I had faced something that was really difficult. And he's like, just, just do what you do. And he, and he laughed and he said, you know, I, I'm, I support you. Everyone's here to support you. Just do what you do. Just go ahead. And. It's not a bunch of business jargon, financial statements. You know, Paul, at the heels of all of my career, and I, it, it's never been about the, the data, the tools, the intelligence, the, the, the marketing reports, all the stuff you see every Monday morning. It's about men and women with a lot of heart and soul just saying, you know what? No, we can do this and we will.
1: Yeah, and I, and you've obviously met a lot of inspirational people o- over time. But I'm, I'm imagining that you've you know you've you've come across some some leaders perhaps that you know have have made you raise an eyebrow or two at some of their methods. So um, can can you share with us for, 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 from your perspective any common mistakes that leaders make?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, sure. No, and you're right. I have you know had come across some of those. And I've had to actually you know I certainly make decisions to remove some of those. Um, yeah their ego gets in the way of their brain they start thinking that instead of working for the people that the people work for them they make uh decisions to put people around them that will say yes to them to cover up what they truly know is is a fault in their personality it, it uh it's it saddens me when i see it but i expect it uh and i think the other thing is that they, they'll deny it but they also are bullies right they'll often Uh, just strong arm people. They're the type of people that if they want your opinion, Paul, they'll give it to you. So, you know, that's, that's what, that's what I see as the consistency of failure because they didn't start off to be that way. Somebody hired them and saw goodness in them. But once they got to a certain point, they forgot who they were and think that they're somehow more important than they should be. So yeah, that, that's, that's where, you know, that's, that's the sadness of it, but it's, but it's a realistic of it. And, You know, they also lose sight of the power of diversity and inclusion. They put people around them that look and act like them because then they can command and control easier. And they lose the, you know, people say, why aren't we more diverse? Well, people, you know, they lose diversity because they they find a hard time accepting it because they have to accept it outside of themselves.
1: You know, I absolutely love that line. If they want your opinion, they'll give it to you. (laughs) That's. That's that's excellent. Uh, but tell us tell us how you, you go about actually making your employees feel engaged and, and, and believe in you. Because I mean let's let's be yeah. honest here, the, the, the CEO, usually the highest paid person in the company, often seen as the person who you know makes some decisions but doesn't do the real work. Uh, yeah. so how do you avoid resentment and, and make people feel really inspired by you?
0: Yeah, I think probably there's always three things I try to always do is that I Every month, for example, in the March commercial monthly exchange, I'd share with you know thousands of people on the call something I did that I could have done better. I think you have to admit as a leader that you called something wrong or I made a mistake or I said, you know, I, we could have done this better and it's my fault. And you have to take more of your share of the blame less than your share of the credit. So that transparency of not just saying, oh, what's happening in the numbers, but a true transparency of what's happening inside the soul of a company. The other thing is to be very accessible. And, and everybody says that I, I said, Oh my God, it always makes me laugh. And people say, Oh, I have an open door policy. They wouldn't know an open door policy if smack them in the face. So, you know, they, they, they don't know what that really means to be, to be open door. So I'll give you an example is that during the pandemic, when it first occurred, when we went into our first like, uh, lockdown, I installed in my, uh, in my residence, in my flat in London, a, a private line and said to all the employees that, you can call this number in the evening. And I gave him a certain time on, on Saturdays. Uh, I took Sunday off and and you can call. You can call and talk to me about anything. And, and the phone line just went crazy. Uh, people want to talk about what's happening in their families, uh, maybe a loved one that was sick or decisions in the company or whatever. And I learned so much. They were such incredible people, but they knew that they had a hotline to the CEO we call the CEO line care uh, care line and they could just talk to me now it, how, how hard is that it's not right it's just it's just a phone line and answer the phone when it when it rings so there are things like that we have to do that make a difference
1: it is, a, it is an amazing innovation, you know, an incredibly thoughtful idea. I mean, you're sort of downplaying it, you know, how hard is that? It's, it's you know, it's an easy thing to come up with. But um, I mean, the reality is I, I personally have never known anybody to come up with that. So I think you deserve a, a lot of credit for that. But uh, I mean, it's. I've often heard as well that, you know, a, a great leader isn't afraid to hire somebody who's better than them. Mm. Um, But I'm sure there are a lot of leaders out there that always have that little bit of a a nagging doubt thinking, oh, you know, how is this going to affect me? So how do they sort of overcome that mindset?
0: Yeah. So I'll I'll keep this really, really succinct because it's always on my mind are until people duplicate what you started, you never really achieved anything. There is no legacy. And, and I'll give you, I'll give you three examples. My, a lot of times people don't want to do that. They don't want to hire better, or they don't want to even uh, sometimes extend opportunities because they themselves have to start over. Every time your leadership council changes or they get promoted, you have to start over and rebuild. And it happened to me in the UK. Thank God it did, right? Because Iranian uh, Bulu, who was my, my CFO, just an incredibly gifted man when I met him in the UK, and he's now the CFO of all of Asia. Amanda Brown, who was my uh, people officer, is now in a major role in in the Marsh McLennan Corporation on on a, on a major basis. She got promoted. Laura Edwards, who was my head of comms, is now head of comms for all of Mercer, and the list goes on. Now, yes, when they get promoted, it, it causes you disruption, but but people around you who see the opportunities that they had step up, and and we and every role was filled from inside of the Marsh organization, Marsh Commercial. So I would say to all the leaders listening is that always hire better than you. They're going. Your results are going to be better. Their careers are going to be better, and new people will come up. And isn't that the genesis of of, of a of a legacy or an energy? It's yeah. the same thing in a family, isn't it? I mean, that's why you you would never allow your children. You wouldn't say to your children, "Don't hang, a, you know, go ahead and hang around with a bunch of losers." <laughs> you know, I mean, you wouldn't do it there.
1: Yeah no, it's, it's another great point. And, and of course you, you mentioned the word energy there and, and it just made me think to, to myself, how do you manage your energy as well? because I mean you're, you're spinning a lot of plates when you're the, the CEO of a company, mm-hmm. but it's really important that you're
0: not overburdened, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So how, how do you go about it? Well, I think the thing is you know again, you diversify what you do. So because because when you travel in different worlds, uh, it makes your, your, every world you live in better. And I say that, I mean just as CEO. So I didn't, I didn't let it consume me day and night. So I, I wrote, I wrote books or I ran a podcast or I, I coached other leaders or, and it, and it was, and people would say, wow, well, how can you do that? How have you enough time in a day. Well, of course you do. Because if people look at the time of the day of how much time they waste doing something that isn't productive. Now I'm not saying never have mindless activity. That's just, pure entertainment, of course, we all do. But don't let it don't let it tip the scale. And I think that's, that's the key. And then it's not you, when you do that, you meet people from such diverse cultures. And because the world is so small, that you just, uh, you can't help but but feel youthful, and more energetic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that one hundred hundred percent. And and I'm sure there are people wondering as well, Anthony. I mean, what is your plan from here? Because as you said, I mean, you've ordered, authored is it is it six or seven books now? Seven, yeah. So seven, yep. Yeah, you, you host a podcast called the the Roots of Leadership. Um, so I can't imagine that you're going to be focusing on the garden now.
0: No, no, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not a gardener. Uh, but yeah, so you know, obviously, just uh, living a, a a wonderful beach community in, in, uh, in Florida. So it's going to be nice just to be, you know, closer to all the, my family in the U S and, and, and friends and so on. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, work for charities that I really want to get to. Um, I'll continue doing some media work and speaking engagements because I, I do, I do, I am passionate about, about helping people, but also raising money for, for those charities, particularly autism. And you know, there's there's all of that that effort uh, that goes in, and you know, Paul, I, I don't want to you know people be like they. I hear that comment. Oh well, in three months you'll be you'll be itching to get back at it. Well, I've always been back at it, so you know, it's just the next the next turn of the page, and those things um, are, are all going to be just incredibly you know wonderful. It's it's just nice to it'll be nice to wake up in the morning and to be able to do whatever you want to do.
1: Yeah. And I think that vision of a, a beach community in Florida has made a few people <laughs> jealous listening to this. Um, Anthony, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you with us. And um, if thank anybody you. wants to, to reach out to you on the back of this podcast, how can they get in touch? Sure.
0: It's, uh, my email's best. It's just uh, Anthony Grupo at yahoo.com. G-R-U-P-P-O, anthonygrupo at yahoo.com. Brilliant.
1: Uh, Anthony, thank you very, very much thank for you, your time. Paul. Always a pleasure. Um, yeah, no, best of luck for the future. Um yeah, you're a huge loss for the industry uh, without a doubt but there's no question in my mind we'll uh, continue to hear from you and we'll be all the better for it um, and indeed this podcast has been all the better for having you as a guest especially because today marks uh, the end of an era of sorts but for very positive reasons um, this podcast became extremely popular particularly over the course of 2021 and led to a number of regional specials um, and that's something that we want to continue in earnest in 2022 um, so rather than the once a week global glim- Global podcast that you've become accustomed to listeners Uh, we will now be offering an even greater number of podcasts but split into our global regions Um, so there will now be a minimum of two editions per month across four individual regions each with a different host meaning that we'll potentially be be delivering over 90 podcasts this year compared to the, the 50 plus that we have been offering so in other words we're getting bigger. Uh, So if you're based in the US, look out for our podcasts hosted by Bethan Moorcraft. In Canada, they will be led by Serena Nath. In the UK, by Mia Wallace. And across the APAC region, including Australia, New Zealand and Asia-Pacific, our host will be Daniel Wood. And if you're a real enthusiast, remember you can click onto those individual websites no matter where you are located and tune into them all. Um, that also means, of course, that this is my last time hosting IB Talk, probably not forever. I'm sure I'll be back for the odd global special, but at least on a regular basis. So uh, with that in mind, I want to thank everyone who's been listening, from the uh, the wealth of fantastic guests that have made this such an enjoyable. Enjoyable experience, such as Anthony, of course, um, through to all of you who have offered me um, such wonderful feedback and, and tuned in each week. I, I really appreciate you listening and I hope you will continue to stay tuned. Um, so to everyone at home or in the office, uh, remember we are all the better for having you with us. So stay safe, be kind and join us next time here on IB Talk.
0: Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.